All right, I want to welcome on my next guest, a very special guest, arguably the greatest interior offensive lineman in NFL history, Patriots Hall of Famer, Mr. John Hanna. John, how's everything going for you? It's going good. We're middle of cabin season and getting a fresh crop going, so we're happy. That's awesome. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing now, because I, I, I don't really know what it is that you do. What's like a day-to-day for you? Uh, basically, uh, about, oh, I guess somewhere around 12, 13 years ago, I got back into farming, and uh, I've got about 220 acres. And uh, I have, basically, it's a cow-calf operation, which means that, uh, you know, I, I breed my cows and raise the calves. I usually get the calves up to about 750, 800 pounds, somewhere in that range, and uh, sell them off and go, go to feeder stock and uh they then let them feed them out until they go to the feedlots that's awesome that's cool that's how you fix fences too well you got to have fences to keep the cows in the pasture. (laughs) that's true anytime they they tear down you got to repair them and that's you know what i've been doing a lot of here the last couple of weeks with all the rains and everything we've been having it's been a real wet summer it's been odd for us yeah, it's been a really weird, it's been a, just a bizarre year. So Yeah, in a yeah. lot of different ways, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so I want to ask you a little bit about your football career. So how did, how did you end up at Alabama? <laughs> well, you know, my, my dad, the story, here's, it's a long story. Uh, my dad basically was a World War II vet. And, you know, he grew up rough, sharecropping and everything, and uh, really didn't have a lot of confidence in himself. but. When he was in the Navy, he befriended, befriended a guy named Rock McCants from Orangeburg, South Carolina. And Rock convinced Dad to go into college. And Dad said, well, where am I going to go? He says, going to go to Clemson. So he went to Clemson, said, I'd like to play football here at Clemson. says, I've got a half VA scholarship. You'll give me a half football scholarship, room, and three meals a day. I'll come to Clemson. And they said, well, Herb, we can uh, – give you the half scholarship, we can give you a room, but we can only feed you twice a day. So while he was in the Navy, he played some uh, military ball under Hank Crisp, who's at Alabama. So dad goes to Alabama and they gave him the third meal a day, so that's where he went. So when I was in high school, I was thinking about going to the University of Georgia where my mother was actually a professor at one time. And then uh, my, uh, uh, so I said, well, I may go to Georgia. You know, they play a pretty good brand offense. And then uh, my uncle was out in Southern California coaching at Cal State Fullerton. I said, well, maybe I'll think about that too. And dad says, you know, John, wherever you go, I'll support you. The only question you got to ask yourself is when you come home, where are you going to eat? <laughs> so my mind was made up, but I figured I'd go to Alabama. That's awesome. Did did Coach Bryant? I I I interviewed uh, Marty Lyons a couple months ago, and he told me it's not Bear Bryant; it's Coach Bryant. Right, so, it is Coach Bryant. It says Coach Bryant. Did he did he come come out and recruit you, or or how did not? No, really, he never came. Now he came when my brother, my youngest brother David, signed. He came up there, but not me. He uh, I went down to Alabama, and there's a bunch of guys sitting around in a, in the uh, the A club room they called it, and we we were all sitting there. And Coach Bryant walked in, 
said, well, boys, he says, uh, I know you've been recruited by a lot of different schools. He says, but if you want a national championship, you better come to Alabama. And he walked out the door and that was it. That's all he did. Wow. That's so, so, and then, so after you committed, was there an adjustment? So I saw that like in terms of some of the guards in the college football in the league today, you were very undersized. Well, not at Alabama. At Alabama, I was actually a big guy. Oh, really? Yeah, I was one of the first big guys. Uh, our class was when Coach Bryant actually started getting away from the small, quick guy and going to the bigger guy. And uh, so at Alabama, I was considered big. Now in the pros, I was little, but but in the in in uh, in in uh, uh, at the University of Alabama, I was considered very, very – I was a big man. Interesting. And then was the NFL on your radar at all, or were you just focused on college? Oh, yeah. I wanted to play ball. Dad had played with the uh, Giants. Oh, I didn't know that. That's Giants. awesome. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, he played with Charlie Connerly and M. Tunnell and those guys. So oh, cool. Kyle wrote uh, a bunch of good names. So, uh, I always wanted to be following my dad's footsteps and kind of was raised that way. And, um, you know, football meant a lot to me and I always, you know, wanted to play pro ball. That's awesome. I saw that close to when you were, uh, close to the draft, I saw some story that you asked coach Bryant to get you a representative and he wasn't really too tuned to the idea. <laughs> it's worse than that. Uh, what happened is uh, right before we went to the travel to go to the uh, bowl game, we would have a day or two off to go celebrate Christmas with the family. So we're sitting around and, you know, I'd gotten a bunch, you know, getting a lot of mail from different pro teams and stuff. And I don't know why they sent it out. You couldn't go to anybody except those guys, you know, when they picked you, there was no free agency back then. It's kind of funny. But anyway, uh, I talking to dad about it because at that time the draft was at the end of January. Interesting. So uh, we, dad says, well, when you go back, just set up a meeting with Coach Bryant. And I said, okay. So I go down there, and as we're going into the meeting room, you have to pass by Coach Bryant's office. And as I went by, he walked out. And I looked at him and I, I said, Coach Brian, I, I really don't want to talk about this now. But at, at when we get back from the, you know, uh, the Cotton Bowl, uh, would you mind if I came by your office and talked to you? He says, I think I may get drafted. And if I do, I would like to have some uh, – I'd like to know who you might recommend for representation. And he looked me square in the eye and he said, shit, Don, you ain't good enough to need no damn lawyer. <laughs> and that's the way it went. So it, it, when, when people talk, talk about how he told me I was the best office lineman he ever coached, I said, I ain't what he told me. <laughs> Do you think he was just saying that because he didn't want you to leave? I, I think what he did, he was trying to say, well, I was a senior, you know. We oh. didn't go in our junior year then. Yeah. So uh, the whole I, I think what he was doing is trying to get psyched me up to play in the, in the bowl game, get me fired up, you know, get me a little mad at it. That's say prove him wrong. Where where did they say they were thinking you were going to get drafted? Where where what was your projection? I didn't really care. I just wanted to go 
in the draft. You know, I just wanted to be drafted by somebody. To be drafted where I was was a really kind of a shock and awe. Uh, it was especially, you know, for an offensive lineman being picked that high. So I was, I was, I was, I was just lambasted. How did you, um, how did you find out you were going to New England? Did they call you? How, what, what was it like? Well, now back in, the, now we're talking the dark days, in 1973, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. it was a whole lot different back then. Uh, you know, I was staying at home. I'd skipped classes that day to find out what was going on. And all of a sudden, my phone rings, and I uh, picked up the phone and, and uh, says, uh, this is Coach Chuck Fairbanks, and I wanted you to tell you that, you know, you've been drafted by the New England Patriots and uh, this and that. And I said, well, dang, God, that's great, Coach. I appreciate you. He said, well, we've got to get back to work. I'll call you in a little while and set up some things. And I said, okay, Coach, I appreciate it. So, anyway, I looked. Well, the only thing, only really couple of things, I knew Green Bay because Bart Starr had been at Alabama, was there. Yeah. You know, and I knew about Chicago because they played them. And then I knew about Dallas, and, and I, but we I had no idea the New England Patriots even existed. Wow. So I said, where are they? <laughs> so I had to look it up and find out where I was going. I didn't even know where I was going. So you definitely weren't prepared for those cold winters. Oh, no. I, I froze to death <laughs> the whole time I was there. Wow. I froze to death. That's wild. That's interesting. Who, who is the t- who? What was your um? What was your rookie season like? Were you? Because I saw something interesting. I don't think I've ever seen with anybody else. You had more first team All Pros than Pro Bowls. I, I well, uh, there's a story behind that. Uh, in 1977, Leon and I held out. Uh, we'd gone to the uh, Pro Bowl the year before. And uh, when we went there, uh, Gene Upshaw uh, basically said, we can't, you know, the contract had stipulations that we couldn't tell other players what we made. But he came up with the idea of putting our salaries, folding it up in a piece of paper and just throwing in a hat. So that way we would know what the salaries were, but we didn't know who was making what. Well, they, were, they started calling them out. And it was like uh, 98, 97, 105, 104, and all of a sudden 30 and 28.5. So we get back to the hotel room in San Diego, and Leon Gray calls me up. And he says, which one were you, John? I said, I was 30. Which one were you? He said, I'm 28.5. So <laughs> I said, what are we going to do? <laughs> so, that's what we held out yeah. in 77. Wow. So that year, I actually won the outstanding offensive lineman of the year, but didn't make the Pro Bowl. Interesting. That's because the owners voted us, they, because we held out, the owners kept me and Leon from going to the Pro Bowl. So did, did your holdout work? Did the negotiating work for you? Or? Yeah, it worked. I mean, just, we had to hold out, but, <laughs> you know, and that's the only alternative we had. We didn't yeah. have free agency then. Wow. You know, so it was a whole different ball game. You know, free, free agency didn't happen until 93. No. Was that, and I think so it was Reggie, first, Reggie White, was that, I think, maybe? Or, uh, Reggie came after, a little after me. 
Yeah. I think he was I've, there. I've got out in 86, 85, 86. Was when, that summer of 86 when I had to leave. Interesting. Who was who the toughest pass rusher you ever had to block? I always mentioned two of them. Um, there's no question Alan Page, when he was with Minnesota, was I played him my second year, and he was, he was unbelievable. And then Randy White. Now, those two guys were just so quick. And Randy had some great moves with his hands that he could just, you know, knock away that your arms. And he just, it's just, they were just quick as cats and just tough to block on a pass rush. I have a question. Do any of the guards or interior offensive linemen in the league now reach out to you for advice? No. Really? No, it's a different game now. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, we were much more aggressive in those days. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I grew up, you got to understand, when I came into pro ball, I had to relearn how to play guard because uh, I, I was down in a four-point stance my whole college career. Wow. And so I even had to learn to get in a three-point stance. So it was kind of different. And, uh, we, but it was an aggressive offense. We ran the ball probably 67% of the time at least 6% of the time. So it was a much more rock'em, sock'em game. Uh, used our head a lot more, uh, you know, as far as, you know, burying it in somebody's chest. And, uh, you know, used our legs and lower back strength. Whereas today it's much more like Greco-Roman wrestling, you know, up all upper body. So it was a, it was a lot different game. So the techniques I use would be uh, outdated in today's game. Question, where did they do the Pro Bowl when you were playing? Uh, well, at first, they'd go for different cities. Uh, let's say we played one in uh, Seattle, uh, played one in L.A., uh, and then they moved it. I, I forget when they did it, but they moved it to Hawaii, and then we went out to Honolulu every oh, cool. year. That's all. Was, was, was the Honolulu one of the year you they didn't let you play, or did you go yeah, to that? That's, that's the first one. Is <laughs> the year that me and Leon held out. Wow, that that was just. I think that was just supposed to dig at you guys. Yeah, yeah. They, they 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 said, well, we you may have your salary, but we're going to punish you. <laughs> hey, so well, now in the record books, I got ten All Pros yeah. and nine Pro Bowls. And they're going to be like, hey, why don't, why don't we do Hawaii this year? So <laughs> that's that's incredible. That's awesome. And um, so who do, in your in your opinion, um. Who in the in the in the game today is one is the best uh, offensive lineman? I can't remember the name. I know, uh, it's just so it's it's different now. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest with you, uh, last year, uh, with all the stuff that was going on that I felt was against our country, uh, I turned them off. Uh, I'm not going to watch somebody that de degrades our country and gave them the right to make a hundreds of millions of dollars, and then they degrade the country because there's. I, I just I, I'm not going to watch it and I'm not going to support it. And now if they get their act right and they they stick to playing football and quit trying to be political, I may turn it back on at some point in time. But they've lost me. And I've even they, they, Alabama even came out with this video now. And I'll, I'm not even going to watch Alabama football. I'm tired of it. I, I'm sick of it. 
I have a question. If you, with all the stuff going on in the country today with the, um, the pandemic, would would you play? Yeah, play. You play? Why not? That's interesting. Screw it. If I'm gonna catch the, if I'm gonna catch it, I'm gonna catch it. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I have a friend. You remember Ron Yeri played? I've heard the name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got an email from him the other day. Now you gotta remember, Ron's a little different. And he's 73 or four now. And uh, he went out and almost deliberately got COVID. And the reason he did was, uh, and he had already learned how to prepare for it and all that. So he was doing those deep breath exercises and taking the asthma medicines and all that stuff. And he went with it. Well, he got well in about a week and a half, two weeks. He sent out this big email. And he says, you know what, boys? He says, I'm free now. He says, I've had it. I can't give it. I can't get it. And I'm good to go. And he was all happy about it. So you get it twice now. He's a point. It's, that's, a, that's the point. So I'm with Ron Yeri. I, you know, I, hey, if I get it, I get it. To heck with it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of other stuff a lot worse than COVID yeah. that I'm more worried about. I have a question. How did you get the nickname Hog? Interesting. Uh, everybody used to think I raised hogs. I never raised a hog in my life. I've always been a cattle man. But what happened my rookie year, uh, we were playing somebody and we got on uh, one yard line going in. And uh, I got down. I, 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 they called the play right over me in P12. So instead of going in a three point stance, I got down in my old four point stance that, like I did at Alabama. And I drove out and I just kept turning my legs trying to push the guy out of the hole. And Red Miller looked over and said, way to root hog him out of there. And when he said that, Bill and Kaida says, hog, 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 hog. <laughs> and from then on, I was known as Hog Hannah. Wow. Did you, in your whole career in New England, did you ever see the success that the organization was going to have? Did you ever expect that, like all, with Brady and all that? Uh, not with the ownership that I played under. Uh, because they were more interested in earning dollars than they were winning. Interesting. Uh, when Bob Kraft came in, his formula was, how do I make money by winning? So it was a whole different mindset. And Bob Kraft has done more. I mean, he is just the epitome of a great owner. Uh, you know, and it didn't hurt him to have Tom Brady as his quarterback either, but I mean, he treated Tom right and, uh, but, and he treated the whole team right. And, it, and it's going to be interesting now to see the subtleties in the way he manages the team and Belichick and the rest of the guys, because, you know, it's a different era now, but Bob Kraft is probably one of the, if not the best, one of the top three in the league. And right now, I would say he's the best. And so, so you spent your entire career with New England. Brady yep. had the option to leave in free agency. If you would have had that option, would you, would you have taken it, or do you want to spend your whole career at Pat? At the, at the end of my career, when uh, they, had, they changed from Fairbanks and uh, they brought in a guy named Ron Meyer, I would have done anything to have gotten away from that team. Really? Uh, I really wanted to get away. And that, there's a funny story there. In 1983, uh, I was really contemplating whether to hang it up. 
and uh, I, I said, well, I'd heard that the Raiders wanted me. Now I'm I'm in '83. I'm 32 years old, so I'm I'm on my last legs, right? So anyway, uh, what I found out was that the Patriots actually were asking for two number ones for a 32 year old guard. <laughs> so uh, anyway, they I were sitting around the catfish cabin. Uh, family was going to get together and meet at the restaurant, and uh, Charlie didn't show up my brother and he played about an hour about 45 minutes later charlie walks in he's all slumped over i said what's wrong i said well he said i've been traded i said where you been traded he said i've been traded to the raiders i said dad blame it you got my job so he goes out to the raiders they start him at uh left guard they change his number to number 73 and he wins a Super Bowl the very first year he's out there. I could have slapped him. It was unbelievable. What did they? What did they? Uh, what was the compensation that they traded for him? Much probably much less than two firsts. I don't know. It was much. I, I, I mean, Charlie was. As a matter of fact, one of the Charlie says that one of the coaches or the Al Davis came up to him, and he said he told Charlie he says. Uh, you know why you're here, don't you? He, he said, no. He said, they wanted two number ones for your brother, but we got you for a lot better deal. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. That's kind of funny. Yeah, that's incredible. Two first. Wow, that's wild. And I have a question. So when did you kind of know you were ready to retire? Um, after the 85 season, um, I went in and basically had both my shoulders redone and uh, I got through with that. And about uh, three or four weeks later, I had to go in and get my knee done. And uh, so I'd always talked to the uh, orthopedic surgeon, Bert Zarens, and said, you know, do me a favor. I said, if it ever looks like that, if I continue playing, I'm going to be crippled. I want, I want to get out before I, I, I want to play with my kids. Yeah. So after he did my uh, knee, uh, he called me in his office and he said, remember that conversation we had? I said, yeah. He says, uh, you're at that point. He says, it's bone on bone. Your femur's wow. beginning to rub down. And he says, uh, if you continue playing, uh, you're going to cripple yourself. I said, well, that's it. And that's when I decided that, you know, I was going to get out of the game. And because uh, I just, I didn't want to be a, uh, you know, a cripple. And um, it was a tough decision. I mean, I love playing the game. It's, you always, you never want to lose, you know, get out of something that you do the best, you know. That's, that was the best thing I knew to do. And I have a question. How cool is it to find out that you're going to be the first member of the organization inducted into the Hall of Fame for an organization you never knew existed? <laughs> well, I, I think that was a great thing. I, th I think what was really cool was the fact that when I went to the Patriots, we didn't, weren't known. But the time we left the Patriots, we were pretty well known. We still hadn't won a Super Bowl, but we'd made playoffs uh, we had gone to the Super Bowl. Uh, we did what no other team. We made it to the Super Bowl as a wild card. Wow. So 
you know, I take a lot of pride in how far we came in the, from where we, when I first started with the Patriots being three and 11 and where we wound up. So I think that's where I take, I think I take more pride in the fact that our team, you know, myself, uh, Leon, uh, Leon, Sam Cunningham, uh, Shelby Jordan, uh, I mean, all the guys, uh, Daryl Stanley, Stanley Moore, all the guys that came in, you know, we, we kind of were able to build a, a, a team that somebody like Bob Kraft would actually want and take it the rest of the way. I have a question. In, in your time in Boston and in New England, did you come in contact with the, some of those Celtics teams at all? I, I, I got to be friends a little bit with Dave Cowens. Oh, cool. I, I liked him. I, I, he was a tough guy, and I <laughs> liked him. And uh, I think we had uh, had a little more relationships, I think, uh, like um, – right, um, oh, come on, John. Right, uh, I want to say O'Reilly. Um uh, with the Bruins, uh, I've had a few of uh, the Bruin guys around and got uh, to know them pretty good. Oh, cool. But uh, it was, it, yeah, we got a relationship with them pretty good. And then uh, I had a relationship, uh, Butch Hobson, who was playing third base uh, when I was with the, you know, matter of fact, you know, I played with him at Alabama. And his oh, really? daddy, Yeah, and his, his daddy played uh, with my dad at Alabama, Clell. So, uh, matter of fact, when I left camp, we went over to Attleboro, and I looked across the pond at this apartment complex, and I said, I know that boy. <laughs> and it, he was playing for the Paw Sox then, and that was the year he got called up. Oh, cool. And uh, so I had a common end with uh, Butch on the Red Sox day. I, I heard that the old Boston Garden <laughs> had, didn't have any AC, and it was just like a nightmare being in there. Say what now? The, Say the, old, the old Boston Garden was just hot as hell in the summertime. Oh, it was hot. It was hot. <laughs> but but it was it was a lot of fun. And, yeah. And uh, it was a different – basketball was a different game then. You know, I, yeah. I remember when uh, when Michael Jordan first came in the league and he was jumping up from the foul line, you know, and sinking those dunkers and the stuff. I looked over one day, <coughs> excuse me, with Dave Cowens, and I said, Dave, would he be able to do that when uh, – you were playing, he said, well, he said, all you had to do is just kind of throw out a knee and catch his foot. And after one or two times, his nose flap flapping off that hardwood, he probably wouldn't do that no more. <laughs> so it, it was a little different playing. A little, bit, a little bit different. That's incredible. That's a, and I have a question. So after your playing, did you have any interest in like coaching or anything? Or do you just kind of know what you want to I do? I tried, but I wasn't very good at it. Uh, you know, uh, we had we had, I, I enjoyed being with the boys. I probably should have uh, just stuck with being a instead of trying to be a head coach. I, should, I probably should have just been an offensive line coach and left it at that. But uh, I I enjoyed being with the boys, and I think most of the boys honored and respected what I taught them. And hopefully, because I, I didn't, I really. I, I, I treated those boys like I want. I, I didn't care how much talent they had. I really cared how much effort they put out. Yeah. And uh, that's what I, you know, I think too many coaches today uh, look for talent over and above character. And 
you may have talent, but when the going gets tough, do they have character? That's when it really counts. And I think character is the missing ingredient in a lot of sports today. Yeah. So, so, so can you can you identify if like an offensive lineman if somebody's coming up like a new prospect? Can you tell early on if this guy's legit or he's gonna be he's gonna, he's gonna flame out just based on technique, stance, <laughs> any of that kind of stuff? Well, you can't always tell because you know every jump is a learning experience because you're playing with that much higher caliber of athlete, so you can never really tell. But if I were scouting a player, what I would want to watch is I want to watch a boy at the end of the fourth quarter when they're trailing by 14 points. Ain't no hope from the win. But is he still giving it everything he's got? Is he still, you know, from the time that ball snapped until that whistle blown, is he giving it everything he's got? And if he's doing it then when there's no hope of winning, that's the boy I want on my team. Interesting. I have a question. Do you remember the first time you saw Anthony Munoz play? Because they said you two are arguably the greatest offensive lineman. Oh, yeah. He was, he was unbelievable. I mean, he was a great – you know, they, they were the first team that started running that uh, – what do they call it? That's uh, that thing where they kind of just shield a guy and a, yeah. and a back make, finds a hole and then yeah. hits it. So it was a different block. They didn't really attack like we attacked. <clears throat> but he was an unbelievable uh, pass blocker and was, uh, you know, at left tackle, you've got to, you know, that's, that's the thing. And I, I, I really admired and, and enjoyed. And I, and I got to play with him at some Pro Bowls. So oh, cool. He was a good, good, he was a good, bad gun, good ball player. No question about that. Yeah. Because he, he was relatively, especially in terms of the game now, relatively undersized to play left tackle. Oh, he's a big guy. Yeah. I mean, Munoz. I mean, he's biggest Mexican I ever saw. Uh, he's what six eight, weighed about three thirty or three twenty five. Yeah. When I was, uh, you know, playing, I looked like a darn midget. I'm here. I am six two and a half, and about two sixty five. And golly bum, I look like a little peant back next to him. What, what, <coughs> what was the biggest you ever were when during your playing career? Like at your at your biggest. Well, I always tried to keep it somewhere around two some i wanted to play at about 275 to 280. there's one year that um coach tried to get me heavier he we wanted heavier offensive linemen but i found out real after playing it that weight i couldn't move i couldn't i would i'd lost my agility and i i needed my agility more than i needed size now, when I first came in the league, I only weighed about 250, 255. And, you know, Buck Buchanan got in front of me and tossed me a lamp around <laughs> like I was nothing. So I knew I had to weigh more than that. Now, on Fridays, I would weigh in at 265. But by game time, depending on who I was playing, <laughs> he was a big, strong guy, I'd put on to about 275. But if he was a quick guy like a, a Randy, I'd want my weight down around 260, 265. So it just depended on who I played and as to what I wanted to weigh at game time. Do you think some of the guys now would last longer and be more agile if they were smaller? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, 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 but 
I think the, the amount of injuries today, yeah. it really comes and stems from the fact that they don't hit enough. Uh, part of hitting uh, football, you got to learn to take a hit. Yeah. And you got to learn how to fall. And we did that. You know, we learned, you know, we hit during practice a lot. <laughs> and and we we knew how to take a hit. We knew how to, to fall on the ground and get up. And we knew all that stuff. You know, they're in shorts all the time. Maybe one – they might go out in pads, and it's just shoulder pads one day a week. And they aren't live. So, they don't have they – they've never learned how to hit. So, um, you know, it's just a different game, different philosophy. But I believe that's why a lot of them are getting hurt is because they just don't know how to – you know, if you look at boxers, boxers spar. Why do they learn to spar? they got to learn how to take a hit. Yeah. And if you don't take a hit, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. I have a question. Do you remember your first experience meeting Bill Belichick? Yeah. Uh, I remember the first time. Uh, it, I was, you know, uh, it was, it was I, I was stupid. I didn't realize how much he loved Lawrence Taylor, but I told him the story about him. And I really – you know, I, I, the guy I admired most on the Giants team was Harry Carson. I thought he was a lot tougher player than LT. Really? I LT. I thought LT was a little yeller. Uh, <laughs> he was uh, he was fine as long as he was hitting quarterbacks, but he didn't like to get hit too much. And part of football, uh, you got to be part masochistic and then uh, sadistic, and part masochistic. You know, if you you gotta like to get hit as much as you do hit, and I just I always thought Harry Carson was just a a lot better, tougher all around player. Interesting. To, to now you today. Belichick you, didn't like that. He didn't. How, how, what did what did he say? What did, what did he respond? Nothing, but I could just tell by the expression <laughs> on his face he thought I was stupid. But that's all right. To this day, do you still believe Harry Carson is a superior player? Yeah, I do. Wow, that's interesting. Did you ever see the success Belichick would have back then when he was working with the Giants? Well, any coach can be successful when you've got a – well, not any coach. Yeah. But any good coach can be successful if you've got a good owner. Yeah. Uh, he was a good coach. I think Belichick's is an X and O's guy. There's no question about it. Uh and he was able to amass talent, which is another key point. But you've got to have the right kind of owner to do what he wanted to do. Yeah. If he had had Bob Kraft with Cleveland, he would have probably been successful there. But with that ownership, he wasn't able to do what he wanted to do. So it's, it's, it's – everything has to fall in place. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And, and it did for him, and it did for Bob Kraft. It just – it was a good marriage. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's that's really all the questions I really had for you. I just wanted to thank you again for taking time. I know you're really, really busy, but this has been awesome. Thank you so much well, for chatting. I hope I haven't embarrassed myself for you too much. <laughs> Hopefully Lawrence Taylor doesn't see this because he might get angry. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, he, he might outquick me, but he won't outhit me. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. This has been a ton of fun. I just wanted to thank you again. Thank you.
I've got no- 